0: If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel *Alice Isn't Dead*, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books, or at aliceisn'tdead.com.
1: The highway was miles back. The ground here is flat to the horizon, sun-baked, waterless. A single Airstream trailer there in the middle of this nowhere. Far enough from
2: the border that whoever, whatever, lives in there wouldn't get hassled so much by the jackboots. I doubt anyone passes through this region unless they're seriously
1: lost or looking to get that way. West Texas doesn't fool around when it comes to concepts like arid and hot and lonely. This is land that is overtly hostile to the living.
2: And yet here we are. And here's this airstream, a blinding pixel of brushed metal reflecting sunlight for miles into the distance. Whoever or whatever we've been looking for, they're in there. Because there are
1: oracles on these roads. We hope.
0: Joseph Fink, performed by Jessica Nicole and Erica Livingston, produced by Disparition, Part Three, Chapter Two, Surroundings.
2: Things are good, oh so
1: I hear. This bottle of Stevens awakens ancient feelings, (laughs) like father.
2: There was a name that had come up over and over in both of our journeys, Praxis. We knew little about them except they stood in opposition to both Bay and Creek and Thistle. So we did what anyone would do. We Googled them, and there wasn't much. Then we did what more people should do, and we asked a librarian, a nice woman named Mercy outside of Tulsa. She looked through her catalog, found references throughout historical text as long as America as a concept has existed, there were peripheral mentions of both Praxis and Thistle, although that didn't
1: tell us what they were or how to find them. I took Alice with me back to a beach in Florida where once there had been a factory. The name on the factory had been Praxis, and they couldn't just scoop up a factory and disappear, could they? except apparently they could. The beach was empty. There was no sign of any structure having been there. I double-checked the route, made sure I'd led us to the right stretch of coast. And it made sense. There was no way a factory could have been there. Who built a factory on the sand, stretching out into the sea? Only I remember it. I remember having been there. I remember Praxis. Being good at long-distance travel means turning yourself as much as possible into cargo. The more you can become like, say, a cardboard box, the better you are at withstanding the miles. A cardboard box doesn't need to pee. A cardboard box doesn't need to stretch its legs. A cardboard box only sits and is transported. And that is how a person becomes good at long road trips. They sit and are transported. They take the world as it comes. A road trip is often seen as an exercise in freedom, but the effect it has on a person is a placating stillness. I love long distance travel.
2: It takes you out of yourself. There's this saying, right? Wherever you go, there you are. And it's true, there's no destination far enough that your own faults won't follow. But what I think the saying misses is that other cliche. It's not the destination, it's the journey. Because while it's you who leaves a place and you who arrives in a place, right? It isn't necessarily you in between. The you who sits on the road is a different you, one with far less responsibilities, one whose choices have been narrowed down to which exit to stop at, what music to listen to for the next hundred miles. It's freeing, being taken out of yourself and replaced by this road version. And yes, it's tiring when you arrive and your worn out, stressed self has to step back into her place, but those moments in between, those are worth it. Those road hours are the one bit of freedom we get. And the reason they feel like that is because they take away most of our freedom. Sometimes the less options we have, the more free we feel.
1: This constant road trip has done something to me. It's changed time. Used to be an hour and a half drive felt like a while the kind of drive you need to gear up for, the kind which would make you dull and listless with the length of it. Now four or five hours move by with a real pep to them. I've learned that all it takes is sitting and existing. Exist long enough, and anything will be over.
2: We hear it again and again, whispered by folks three drinks deep in roadside bars and buried in the footnotes of peer-reviewed papers. We hear about the oracles. There are, they say, oracles on these roads. And although the connection isn't clear, wherever there is activity from praxis, there appears to also be oracles, mouthpieces maybe, or messengers. Whatever they are, we do our best to track an oracle down. It is said they live in roadside places, in the bathrooms, at gas stations, at commuter parking lots and out back of highway fast food franchises. We put it out there on the whisper network of weirdos
1: and freaks and outsiders like us that we're looking for an oracle. Together, we track back through all the locations where Sylvie and I saw Ramon and Donna in their traveling burger restaurant, the one called Praxis. But all of the locations are still empty, which is its own kind of odd, because wouldn't at least one of them have been rented by another company in the ensuing months? But they haven't been. All of them are still vacant. At the last one we visit, I run my hand down the window Feel the name Praxis, where it's been peeled up from the glass. State after state of highway, chasing after this vanished restaurant. In Pennsylvania, we pass a billboard which looks familiar. For a dog groomer, decadent dogs, it says.
2: We still haven't talked about why I left. Not really. I don't know how to tell her the story without reopening the hurt, so we talk about other matters, and often we
1: don't talk. She'll tell me when she's ready. Until then, I have enough to keep me busy. I love her, but I only have so much I can worry about at once. It's like when we used to make bread together. You can't force a dough to rise. You leave it, and it rises. You can't speed that up.
2: And word comes back through the Whisper Network. We're told the source might be Sylvia herself, that runaway teenager friend of Keisha's, the one who disappeared searching for the oracles and for whatever power they represent. It's Tanya in Omaha who calls us. Can't promise this came from Sylvia, Tanya says. He snorts. That's the word on the line, but providence can be a shifty question once it's been through so many mouths. His voice changes, becomes softer and a little worried. I don't know who you are, what you're doing, but if you're on the same path as Sylvia, please be careful. We need every one of us. I say back, I'll try, best I can do. Best any of us ever can, he says. Okay, Alice, goodbye now. We discuss the risks, but there isn't much we can do about them. And so we head to Texas. It's just 200 miles from Dallas to Austin, but it's 200 miles of construction site. What exactly do they think they'll improve with all of this work? It slows the traffic down constantly, turning what should be a few hours into half a day or more. We go in the middle of the night and even then our phones have to take us on an exciting tour of residential streets and frontage roads trying to find our way around complete closures
1: of the only highway. One aspect of road trips has changed tremendously. used to be you saw some sort of run-down roadside bar or half-empty business. You just have to wonder and imagine what it was like in there. What kind of people were its customers? What kind of people ran it? It led to all sorts of flights of fancy. Now, though, you can look up reviews online of literally anything. See pictures of the food, Turns out, the abandoned looking barbecue joint tucked into a temporary looking structure on a gravel lot by the highway is some legendary place people drive hours to eat at. What hides in abandoned places and all that. Outside of Dallas, we drive by this huge and breathtakingly seedy sex store. I've talked before about how, for a country so prudish, we are remarkably blatant with our sex stores. But because it's now, I could check out the internet reviews of this seedy sex warehouse on the outskirts of Dallas. Turns out, people feel like they charge too much for their weekly swingers' nights. (laughs) Well, they won't stay open for long with reviews like that. Like the
2: gates of heaven unfolding off the Texas highway, Bucky's, The truck stop that other truck stops dream of. They make their own sodas, their own snacks, their own chips and pretzels. The building itself is the size of a small suburb. Acres and acres of t-shirts and stuffed animals and a beverage fridge wall spanning into the distance. Billboards from miles before and after announce, Bucky's has the cleanest bathrooms in America. (laughs) I haven't tried all the bathrooms in America, so I'm going to have to believe them. Every toilet has its own dispenser of hand sanitizer right in the stall in case the woman on the go doesn't want to have to pause to wash her hands. American convenience in the ultimate of all convenience stores. Keisha stepped outside at the Bucky's to call Tamara with the LA Times again. She's been checking in regularly. We gave her all we had, and obviously she was skeptical, but what she was able to confirm checked out so quickly she was willing to let us keep sending her what we've found, which is what we've done. Everything we learn goes to the paper, and they do their best to confirm it from their end. I hope this works out, because sometimes I feel like Keisha has pinned our whole salvation on the truth setting us free.
1: The highway was miles back. The ground here is flat, almost to the horizon, sun-baked, waterless, a single Airstream trailer there in the middle of this nowhere. Here waits our oracle.
2: In one sense, it seems ridiculous to me an oracle would live in an Airstream. But also, I can't think of a more appropriate place for an oracle of these American roads. I admire
1: their taste. We left the truck. It's not designed for off-roading. I considered walking, but Alice correctly pointed out that while it was walkable temperatures in the pre-dawn hours, it wasn't going to be smart to try to walk once day had broken. So we rented a four-wheel drive in Midland, hoping it would see us through. It's gotten us this far. Before
2: we left the car, I stopped her. I don't know why. Some part of me said I couldn't even do one more risky act without telling her, and so I just spilled it. I told her the entire story
1: of my leaving, why I did it, why I couldn't come home. As soon as she was done talking, I slammed the door and headed to our rented SUV. Hey, she shouted after me. Hey.
2: I let her shout. We parked outside the Airstream. Keisha reaches for the door and I step past her and I open it. She's earned the right to be the first to confront this mystery but I can't take the chance that there is danger on the other side of the door.
1: That really pisses me off. (sighs) She pushes past me like I didn't take care of myself for years. If she had wanted to protect me she is many highway months too late.
2: It's wood paneled on the inside. There's a record player by the door and a pile of old records, mostly folk music, some David Bowie. The records have gotten wet somehow and are warped. I don't know how they got wet
1: in this place where it never rains. There's a sink. I try the handle. No water, of course. Where would it be attached to? But then, how did those records get so wet? Beyond the sink is a bed. Sitting on the bed is a person in a gray hoodie, hood pulled up, their faces lost in the shadow. But I think I know now I could get as close as I wanted to that hood, and still wouldn't be able to see a face. They sit on the edge of the bed, body toward us, a hand on each thigh. I expect to feel a wave of powerful energy coming off of them. But I don't.
2: A cloud passes over the sun.
1: It gets dim in the trailer. We've come a long way to talk to you, I say. They say nothing back. Anxiety is working my gut. But it does the same when I'm ordering pancakes at a truck stop. When I'm getting up to pee in the middle of the night. I can't trust my anxiety. But there were no clouds in the sky. Hello? I say. Silly. If they wanted to respond, they would. I reach out. Hesitant, but knowing what I need to do. I touch them. They slump backwards. The oracle is dead.
2: From outside, I hear a wet huffing and whooping. I don't even have to look out the
1: window to know. The trailer is surrounded by thistlemen.
0: This show would not be possible without our Patreon supporters, such as the zealous Jason Kent, the tenacious Hannah Walker, the sagacious Iffany Yang, and the Arcadian Gabe Templeton. If you would like to join these folks in helping us make this show, please check out patreon.com slash Alice not Dead, where you can get rewards like director's commentary on every episode, live video streams with the cast and crew, bonus episodes, and more. So there is a love story that happened behind the scenes of Welcome to Night Vale between me, Joseph Fink, and Meg Bashmaner, voice of the Night Vale credits and MC and tour manager for the live Night Vale show. In this memoir, we recount the first 10 years of our relationship, year by year, without consulting each other beforehand. It's a funny and romantic story about how differently we experience and remember our lives. Then, on July 20th, the Halloween moon... My first ever novel for ages 10 and up. Esther Gold loves Halloween, until the year that Halloween night just won't end. Even she doesn't want Halloween to last forever. No matter your age, if you're a fan of Alice Isn't Dead, I think you're going to love this book. Get these books wherever you get your books. Today's quote Between him and her, indeed, there was that total missing of each other's mental track, which is too evidently possible even between persons who are continually thinking of each other. From Middlemarch by George Eliot. Thanks for listening.
2: This has been a production of Night Vale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.
0: Creators of Welcome to Nightvale, Alice Isn't Dead, and within the wires comes a new Audible original, Unlicensed. In the outskirts of Los Angeles, where the cul-de-sacs and strip malls sprawl into the desert, two unlicensed private investigators scrape by on whatever small cases come their way. But when a teenage girl pleads for them to take the strangest case of their career, this unlikely pair, with no resources and no backup, will follow a trail of seemingly unconnected cases, which will lead them to a ransom a murder, a mysterious wellness center, and a conspiracy that might go all the way to the governor. It's important to catch small
1: fires early. They don't stay small for long.
0: Unlicensed. Available now at audible.com unlicensed.